Thanks, Kerry. And uh, that would be a helpful passage to have open to keep uh, looking at with me this morning as we keep journeying through uh, the book of Romans. We've been praying uh, throughout this series that God would uh, turn us more and more into a people who bring Him glory as a united missionary church humbled together under His grace. That's been the big theme that we're exploring together and we continue to explore this morning. Why don't I pray and ask for God to help us as we think about His Word together. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for the very practical and very clear Word that You have for us this morning and ask that as we think about it together, You would Help us to be people who put it into practice as we trust in you and live out the reality of grace in this world. We pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen. I think uh, it's very possible these days to just hang around with people who are like you and uh, with the very uh, technically curated news feeds in our social media where the the algorithm makes sure that we're just reinforced with the same kind of views that we already think and believe ourselves, we can start to uh, believe the reality that um, I am right and they are wrong. And uh, I think the way that our world is structured and the way that social media works and the way that we live in the reality of sound bites and snippets and tweets and uh, a lot of angst and anger at other people... Uh, we can, it's, it's not too hard to realise that the thing that this world is missing and the thing that this world is in need of most is grace. Grace being the undeserved kindness of God, grace being the way that we treat people better than they deserve, better than maybe we think they deserve. Uh, grace being... Uh, the, the thing that drives us to turn away from ourselves and our own selfishness in faith in God and love for other people. Romans 12 is going to challenge us in that direction today. It's not a complicated passage. It's not hard to understand, but I think it's hard to do. It's hard to live. And this is continuing the thought that started in uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12 in thinking about the logical way that the Christian life should look in view of God's mercy. If His mercy and His grace, His love towards us in Jesus, in Jesus' life and death and resurrection, if God's amazing grace that He would come and live and die for us when we were His enemies, in view of that grace we are to live lives in worship of Him as supernaturally transformed people who are being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus and not conformed, squeezed into the mould of this world. And so worship of God will look like loving your church and loving your enemies. That's what this part of Romans 12 is about. That worshipping God in view of His mercy will look like loving your church and loving your enemies. That His love and His grace that He's poured out on us, that He's demonstrated so clearly in Jesus, His love and His grace, logically, naturally, 
supernaturally leads to us showing love and grace to other people. Uh, This passage is just a long list of things that uh, God's people ought to value and uh, cherish and pursue in view of God's mercies as we want to live out a transformed life, a transformed individual life and a transformed corporate life as his people, as his body, as we heard last week. And the focus is on love, on hating what is evil and clinging to what is good. We see that in verse 9 and we see that in verse 17 and we see it again in verse 21. And the repetition should help us see that this is an emphasis. Hating what is evil, not being overcome by what is evil in this world, by what is opposed to God and His grace, but in fact, by God's Spirit, by trusting in Him, overcoming evil in this world by demonstrating his grace by living in his grace by walking in his grace loving our church loving one another loving even our enemies it starts in verse 9 by talking about the kind of love that will be uh, modelled in a Christian community it's a sincere love that hates evil and clings to what is good. The sincere love, uh, I wanted to say it's the love that doesn't wear a mask, uh, except maybe the love that does wear a mask for the sake of other people, but doesn't wear the kind of mask that seeks to cover up how you truly feel. The kind of mask, you know, that says, I'm fine and you're fine and we're fine, and ignores maybe some realities of, of uh, sin in our own lives and in the lives of others. It's not a two-faced, hypocritical kind of love, but a sincere love. A sincere love that, that actually wants to be involved in and cares about and takes an interest in the needs and the cares and the concerns of other people even the people that maybe you find difficult, even the people that maybe think differently to you on political or social issues or people whose personalities just seem to grate on you. Not trying to cover up those differences with a fake two-faced smile, but genuinely seeking to overcome those differences with the love of Jesus that is self-sacrificial, that is committed to the good of another person. And verse 10 says that we are to be devoted to one another in that kind of love, with a long-term commitment to one another, with a long-term sacrificial uh, commitment to one another with that kind of love. Kind of love that doesn't let those differences of personality or differences of opinion cause strife and schism, but where grace and love overcomes those differences, demonstrating to the world the power of God's grace and the enormity of his love. And when he says in verse 10, the Apostle Paul, that we should honour one another above ourselves, there's a, there's, a, there's a picture there of competition, that we're to outdo each other in seeking to demonstrate this kind of love. 
this kind of love that is self-sacrificial, that is committed to one another, that is able to overcome or see past or to let go of some of those differences of personality and opinion, well, that kind of self-sacrificial devotion to one another in love means that we're going to be vulnerable to one another, means that we're going to be open to being hurt by one another. Do you remember that series from last year where we talked about church and Jocelyn said, if we're not close enough to annoy each other, then we're probably not close enough? That even in the midst of those annoyances, even in the midst of those grievances, that we demonstrate grace and love in letting go of what we need to let go of and dealing with what we need to deal with. I read this quote during the week that from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves. You'll see it on the screen. Reminding us of the, the vulnerability that genuine Christian love creates. Lewis writes, there's no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken but if you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries, and avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, my eyes are failing me. It will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, indestructible. Is that what it says? Irredeemable. The alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can perfectly be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. I should have written it in my notes. Right? Love is dangerous. Love is vulnerable. But to not love is maybe even more dangerous. And we need to let ourselves be vulnerable to one another, to be interested and involved in one another's life, in self-sacrificial commitment to one another. Verse 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. There's a picture here that the Christian life will be one that is under pressure. And that under pressure from suffering and under pressure from difficulty, under pressure from people around you who are different from you, under pressure from your own flesh and the world and the devil... It is possible to lose the heat of your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. And the challenge from the Apostle Paul is that you need to take responsibility for that. That you need to take responsibility for your own Christian life and your own Christian fervour. Keeping yourself close to the Lord in prayer and in Bible reading, in fellowship with God's people. In order that you may maintain your, your spiritual fervour and your zeal in order that you might be joyful in hope, 
knowing that nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus, that you might be patient in affliction, praying your kingdom come, your will be done, being faithful and constant in prayer. It's a picture here of endurance and joyful dependence upon God, recognising that as we live in this Christian community, demonstrating God's love and his grace turned out from ourselves in self-sacrificial commitment to one another, we, we will no doubt be hurt. We will no doubt have to show perseverance and patience. But the way that we do that perseverance, the way that we do that endurance will be faithful in prayer, knowing that this is a supernatural community and supernatural transformation that only God can bring about by his word and spirit to enable us to persevere as we trust in him. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. If you're turned away from yourself in self-sacrificial commitment to one another, then you will give to those in need. You will share what God has given you with, with God's people all around you and you will practice hospitality. Now, when we read that word hospitality, we often think of, you know, a very a lovely Saturday evening with a nice tablecloth and some candles and a, and a glass of red wine and a nice meal. And sure, hospitality can look like that. But the picture of hospitality here, just to, just to spend a little bit of time in the Greek, the, the word here is philoxenia. It is love for the stranger. You know how we think of xenophobia? is the fear of strangers, the pe fear of people who are different, fear of the outsider. This is the opposite of that. This is, this is love for strangers. So up in verse, uh, verse 10, the kind of love on view there is Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Love for one another, the inside the family kind of love. Whereas here, when you think about hospitality, hospitality it's the kind of love for the stranger. It's love for someone that maybe you don't know. It's an overflowing love that stretches beyond the, the, the friendships and the relationships that you already have to include those who are outside and to bring them in. And so here's the challenge. If your dinner party on a Saturday night, which is lovely, just includes people that you're really good friends with, maybe you're not doing hospitality. And you need to think about how you're your friendship and your grace and your provision and your sharing with the resources that God has given you stretches to those that you don't know. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn as we're turned away from ourselves, that we will even seek to bring God's blessing to those who make life difficult for us, for those who maybe express anger or even hatred towards us for whatever reason. Trusting in God's grace and knowing that we are secure past, present and future in Him means that we're able to not retaliate, that we don't meet evil with evil, we overcome evil with good and in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus we bless those who persecute us, we bless and do not
curse as Jesus demonstrated to us when he cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That kind of forgiveness, that kind of blessing for those who even express hatred, even those who persecute us, demonstrates the enormity of God's transforming grace. And verse 15 reminds us that we're turned away from our own circumstances to share in the circumstances and the reality of life with those around us, rejoicing with those who rejoice, that when someone comes to us rejoicing with news of an engagement, with news of a pregnancy, with news of the provision of God in some other way, we don't respond from the reality of our own circumstances that might be discontent, that might be suffering. We respond in light of their circumstances, rejoicing with them. And likewise, even when things are going good for us, in turn, turning away from ourselves in faith in God and showing grace and love to others, we will mourn with those who mourn. It's a picture here of not approaching circumstances with the what about me kind of attitude but with a contentedness in the grace of God in Christ and so being able to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I think being able to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn is a picture of, one of, of circumstances where we do open our hearts up to be hurt and to share in someone's suffering and to be vulnerable and to be uncomfortable. It's sad to hear from people who are suffering or who are mourning or grieving the loss of a loved one that other Christians seem to be uncomfortable in talking about it with them. Because you don't know what to say. You've been in that kind of conversation. I don't know how to approach this topic. I don't know what things to say to you. I don't know how to, to, to comfort you. And so I'm just going to ignore it and pretend it's not there. By the grace of God in Christ and wanting to love others with a self-sacrificial commitment that leaves ourselves open and vulnerable, is willing to address those things and even be uncomfortable for the sake of caring for another person. It might even involve saying to them, I, I don't know what to say right now. But I am here for you and I'm thinking of you and I'm praying with you. Uh, my mum pointed me to something uh, this week on Facebook, a picture uh, from Winnie the Pooh, uh, which is a great reminder of what it looks like to walk with people uh, through suffering and to care for one another with that other person-centred love. Let me read you this from Winnie the Pooh. It occurred to Pooh and Piglet that they hadn't heard from Eeyore for several days, so they put on their hats and coats and they trotted across the 100-acre wood to Eeyore's stick house. Inside the house was Eeyore. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh. Hello, Pooh. Hello, Piglet, said Eeyore in a glum-sounding voice. 
We just thought we'd check in on you, said Piglet, because we hadn't heard from you and so we wanted to know if you were okay. Eeyore was silent for a moment. Am I okay? He asked eventually. Well, I don't know, to be honest. Are any of us really okay? That's what I ask myself. All I can tell you, Pooh and Piglet, is that right now I feel really rather sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all. Which is why I haven't bothered you. Because you wouldn't want to waste your time hanging out with someone who is sad and alone and not much fun to be around at all, would you now? Pooh looked at Piglet. Piglet looked at Pooh. And they both sat down, one on either side of Eeyore in his stick house. Eeyore looked at them in surprise. What are you doing? We're sitting here with you, said Pooh. Because we are your friends. And true friends don't care if someone is feeling sad or alone or not much fun to be around at all. True friends are there for you anyway. And so here we are. Oh, said Eeyore. Oh. And there the three of them sat in silence. And while Pooh and Piglet said nothing at all, somehow, almost imperceptibly, Eeyore started to feel a very tiny little bit better because Pooh and Piglet were there. No more and no less. Isn't that a wonderful picture of how demonstrating Christian care and concern with an other person-centred, self-sacrificial attitude of simply just being there, of sitting in silence and caring for friends, rejoicing with those who rejoice, and mourning with those who mourn. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited, which is a reminder from last week, isn't it, that we all stand together on the same level at the foot of the cross, dependent on grace, forgiven sinners... There's nothing to be proud of. There's nothing, nothing to be conceited from. It's humble and it's gracious. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is a great little verse, isn't it? Because it reminds us that sometimes it doesn't depend on us that we can make ourselves vulnerable in self-sacrificial commitment and love to one another and it might not be reciprocated. But we can only take responsibility for our own attitudes and actions. And so as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. It's mine to avenge, God says. I will repay which doesn't mean that we don't need to seek or pursue justice in this world, but we can trust that ultimately God is the judge and he will, just, he will judge everyone with justice and righteousness. And so our job is to show grace and forgiveness. Our job is to 
to show the transforming power of his love and his grace and the overwhelming nature of his love towards us even when we were his enemies. And so in view of his mercy, we overflow with that same kind of grace and love towards our enemies. Just as Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus died for us, chapter 5, verse 10, even when we were God's enemies. Now, for most of us, we're not going to have to deal with enemies in a big E sense, are we? When you think about your life and the enemies that you have, some of the petty petty differences that we allow to create gaps in our relationships and barriers in our community. Let me finish this morning with this picture of someone who loved their enemy and overcame evil with good. taller man in this picture, his name is Steve Saint and his father Nate was speared to death by the man with that he has his arm around in the jungles of Ecuador in 1958. Minke was one of the Ecuadorian Indians who speared Nate Saint to death and who later became a Christian because the families of the five men who were speared to death that day didn't didn't want to repay evil for evil, but in response to God's grace, wanted to overcome evil with good. And because they shared the gospel with that Indian tribe in the jungles of Ecuador, many of them, including Minke, became Christians. Minkay died this year, actually, and one of Steve Saint's grandchildren is named Minkay. None of us, I don't think, will ever have to deal with enemies on the level of being speared to death by someone and showing them grace and forgiveness under God. But doesn't that story and the, the story of the gospel remind us of how amazing God's grace is and how transforming his love is and how compelling and beautiful it is when God's amazing grace overflows into our relationships with one another and with the world. This kind of beauty, this kind of grace that puts on display the love of God in Christ Jesus is what we want to pursue, is what we want to be, This is how we want to live, that we might glorify God as a united missionary church, humbled together under his grace. Let me pray that God would help us to be this kind of church. Our Father, we thank you so much once again for your amazing grace to us us in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we would be so transformed by the renewing of our minds that your grace and love to us would overflow in showing grace and love to one another and grace and love to a world that needs your grace so desperately. 
may we be devoted to one another in the same kind of self-sacrificial, other person-centred, patient and enduring love that you have shown us in order that we might glorify you together. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.